0: With Premier League football returning, so too does the official Liverpool FC matchday programme, which is back to mark the conclusion of the 2019-20 season. The Reds, of course, have four remaining home games, starting with the visit of Crystal Palace on Wednesday, the 24th of June. And with the Jurgen Klopp side just two wins away from claiming their first Premier League title, make sure you've got your copy of these special edition programmes. Inside, you'll find exclusive columns from manager Jurgen Klopp and captain Jordan Henderson, plus the latest from Melwood, match build-up, in-depth opposition analysis and much more. The earlier you order, the more chance you'll have of getting your programmes delivered by Royal Mail in Time for the game, and to get hold of yours, just head to ReachSportShop.com forward slash programs hyphen Liverpool. That's ReachShop.com forward slash programs hyphen Liverpool. This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red Channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. After 106 days of waiting, football is finally back, and Liverpool return to Premier League action away at Goodison Park against their nearest and maybe not so dearest neighbours Everton welcome to Behind Enemy Lines I'm Guy Clark as we get set to preview the big derby later on and joining us to uh give us the lowdown on the toffees is the Echoes Everton reporter Adam Jones Adam thanks for your time how are you keeping mate yeah
1: I'm keeping I'm
0: keeping well mate how about you yeah not so bad just uh ever so delighted to have football back and there's not really any bigger games
1: that these two clubs could come back to is there? I know yeah you talk about a bit of motivation to get yourself back into onto the pitch you know obviously Mercer's our derby is going to be very different with all fans in the stadium but it's still an absolutely massive game for both teams you know Liverpool obviously closing in on the title and Everton uh, you know clinging on to potential hopes for Europe as well so you know three points is going to be really important for both teams like
0: Yeah, we've had three and a half months. There's not really any stone that hasn't been left unturned in terms of talking about this derby. But do you hold any reservations that that typical frenetic derby atmosphere that we see the Merseyside derby, of course, the dirtiest game in Premier League history, that we might actually see a different side to the derby? It might not be quite as tenacious as it normally is, certainly at Goodison.
1: Mm, Yeah, I think, you know, you'll see all the players and, you know, the managers will give their interviews over, you know the days leading up to the derby, and they'll say, "No, our intensity is going to be as it always is." You know, we'll be throwing all the same sort of tackles in, we'll be closing down in the same sort of manner. But I, I just can't see how that's going to be possible. You know, first game back as well. I can't see how all all the players are going to be fit. You know, they haven't played uh, a competitive game of football for well over three months now. You, you're just going to have you, you're not going to have that match sharpness about you. So. For a for a ninety minutes, I just don't think we're going to see that same sort of derby atmosphere. And then, of course, you factor in the fact that there aren't any fans in the stadium at all. And you've only got to look at last season's Goodison derby to see how important the fans can be. You know, Everton fans created an incredible atmosphere on that afternoon, and that you know it essentially shouted the team towards a pretty unexpected nil-nil draw on that occasion. Now, Everton won't have the fans there this time to try and give them that sort of motivation. So they've got to try and find that from elsewhere. So I think it will be a a very different sort of derby. I think it's going to be a a much more technical game rather than a physical game. And, you know, for the best will in the world, as as much as I don't like to say it, I think that probably plays into Liverpool's hands a little bit more. But, you know, with with football having been gone for three months, this is going to be such an unpredictable game. You know, I, I, I really do think that literally anything could happen tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's one of the weird ones as well, that when you look at Everton and the record in the Merseyside Derby, of course, in October, you don't need me to remind you, it's coming up to a decade since Everton last won a derby. So it is a weird one with the fans because Goodison, as you say, it can be such a cauldron and such a galvanising stadium for Everton. Yet at the same time, in a game like this, if things were to go wrong early doors, even a misplaced pass or whatever, it can quickly turn as well, can't it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we, we've been saying on the Royal Blue podcast for the last uh, for the last couple of occasions that you know there might be some players in the Everton squad who actually will prefer there to be no fans inside the stadium because you know there won't be that sort of added pressure on their every kick of the ball, every breath that they take on the pitch. So th- th- that pressure will be lifted a little bit, but I, I do still just think that the, the positive effect that fans can have in these kind of games is. You know, it hugely outweighs the negative effect, and you know, Everton have had, as we know, such a poor record in Merseyside derbies over the uh, over the last ten years or so. Uh, it's it, it's it's a pretty embarrassing record, and you know, especially at home, you've got to be tar- targeting these type of games to be ending this. And you know, th- this is why Carlo Ancelotti was brought to the club. At the end of the day, he was brought to the club to be this sort of winner and to try and elevate himself above this sort of complex that almost that has set in at Everton over the past 10 years or so that you know there's there's something mentally there that is stopping Everton from beating Liverpool now Carlo Ancelotti shouldn't have that issue and if he can really hammer that into his players you know you'll say that he's he has had a Merseyside derby before but he, he was only in charge for what was it two weeks uh, by, by the time that FA Cup game came around so I'm willing to look past that a little bit so this, this would be you know he's had so much time to prepare for this one he's had so much time to hammer his views into the players hopefully we'll see uh, we'll see some effect from that
0: no i suppose when we spoke last time on the Behind Enemy Lines podcast in December ahead of the reverse trip across the park. Obviously, it was to be Marco Silva's last dance. And of course, Carlo Angelotti has since come in. And I suppose, therefore, in a couple of ways, the Merseyside derby this season has sort of marked big changes in Everton's season because obviously the loss at Anfield in the league saw the end of Marco Silva, then the revival under Duncan Ferguson. And then, as you say, the the defeat against a less strengthened young Liverpool side in the third round of the FA Cup, which since then, to be fair, prior to the last three games before the lockdown, being Arsenal away, Man United at home and Chelsea away from home, Everton had been unbeaten and had really been showing some green shoots of recovery, hadn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think, you know, that first Merseyside derby, I think a lot of Everton fans were going into that game thinking that Marco Silva should have already been sacked. And, you know, as you say, that did prove to be the final nail in the coffin, and I don't think enough uh, emphasis is put on how well Duncan Ferguson did. Jordan is caretaker charge because he was the man who introduced this four-four-two system, which Ancelotti has since taken on and found a lot of success with. Uh, and you know the way he gal- managed to galvanise the squads. You know that win over Chelsea, that draw with Manchester United, which you know could have could have been a win away from home. You know it, it, that was that was a really good period for Everton, and then you know. <laughs> To be able to bring in Carlo Ancelotti is something that Everton fans couldn't have even dreamed of at the start of this season. So, yeah, the the the, the wave of positivity that followed uh, Ancelotti's arrival, barring, of course, that uh, that wobble in the FA Cup has been has been really, really good. And you mentioned those three games just before lockdown. You know, that Arsenal game, Everton really could have got something out of that game in the end. Their second-half performance, especially the last 20 minutes or so, they maybe should have... Uh, Equalised in that game, and maybe should have taken a point from that. Uh, the Manchester United game uh, at home had that uh, late disallowed goal from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which has caused you know a lot of a lot of debate. I personally don't think it should have been disallowed. I think it should have been it should have counted. So that could have easily been a win. And then, well, to be honest, the less said about the Chelsea game, the better, really. Uh, but you know, I think that Ancelotti quite interestingly in his press conference said that you know, lockdown came. At, a, a decent time for Everton to be able to just push that Chelsea game uh, behind them and you know, I, I think Everton's players are just going to be fully motivated in trying to uh, rectify that performance this weekend.
0: Yeah I was looking at Everton's results and the fixtures coming up and I'd seen those run of games Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool and thought well after this run of games it must be a steadier and easier running for Everton for the, the remainder of the season. But then you look at it, That'd still nice. Leicester. Yeah, still Leicester, Tottenham, Wolves and Sheffield United all to come with the Spurs, Wolves and Sheffield United games all, all away from home. So for the remainder of the season, what is the objective? What is the aim for Everton? How they look to, to polish off this campaign?
1: I think the aim has still got to be to try and qualify for the Europa League. I don't think, you no, know, especially with uh, a potential European ban for Man City still up in the air. You know, the, you know, European places could drop that little bit lower as well, and it could make things a little bit more accessible for Everton. I think, as things stand, Everton are only six points away from potentially qualifying for the Europa League. But obviously, the caveat to that is they still lie in 12th. So there are a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for these positions. And I just think that just puts a lot more emphasis on this game for Everton. Like, this has got to be. Uh, the benchmark for how they they are going to finish this season. You know, if if there was, to you know, God forbid if there was going to be a heavy defeat in this game, then you look towards the rest of the season and you think, oh, well, what is there there going to be to fight for now? Uh, But if there was to be a good result for Everton in this game with the close proximity of games that we've got uh, from now until the end of the season, I think it's going to be that much easier to build up a little bit of momentum and perhaps get a, a, a little bit of a run together. We're seeing that. In Germany, you know, a few teams have, you know, before the lockdown not been in great form, but since lockdown they've managed to build up that little bit of momentum and shoot themselves up the table. And, you know, Everton are only six points away from a potential Europa League spot. It's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility to think that they could close down that gap. And with Carlo Ancelotti at the helm as well, you know, one of European football's best managers, that's going to be his absolute aim. And if he can qualify Everton for Europe this season and then, you know, I know the transfer window is going to be uh, an absolute mess this season. We don't, we just don't know how that's going to shape up at all. But if Everton can get a good transfer window behind them, then you know it, it really could accelerate Ancelotti's plans at Everton and really push, push, uh, push the club on, which is you know what all Everton fans want to see.
0: Behind enemy lines on the blood red channel. Yeah, It's been a number of years, of course, since Farhad Mashiri came into the club when Ronald Koeman was at the club. He was talking about the North West being the new Hollywood of Premier League football with all the high-profile managers there. As you say, Carlo Ancelotti certainly fits into that category. Of course, he'd, he'd been at Napoli. He'd had a fair bit of success, I suppose you could call it, relative success against Liverpool with his Napoli side. He is a, he is a man with such pedigree that you do feel that this project Everton are trying to build – this first step probably seems the hardest one, and then they may be able to accelerate
1: from there. Well, that's it, and I think what a lot of Everton fans were pinpointing when Ancelotti did come to the club, you know, as as unlikely as it might have seemed to anybody else, you know, from the outside looking in, Everton fans were thinking to themselves, well, look, if Carlo Ancelotti can't, uh, can't envisage this project at Everton, then who is going to be able to do it? You know, he's, as you say, he's a manager with such calibre, such pedigree. Uh, He's one of the best managers in European football, and to see him at the helm of Goodison Park, you know, that was a that was the easiest way for Everton to unite the fan base. I think, you know, because for for all the best will in the world, uh, Marco Silva, Jordan's, you know, last few games at Goodison, you know, he he did cause a lot of fractures among the fan base. You know, there was a there was a lot of negativity going around Everton. Throughout those last few games. As I said earlier, Duncan Ferguson managed to rectify that a little bit, but Everton needed to make the right appointment uh, to try and unify that fan base again. And, you know, to bring somebody with the calibre of Carlo Ancelotti in. That was the best way to be able to do that. And you know, you do feel like this is finally Farhad Mashiri's perfect man. This is the man that he always wanted. He always wanted that, as you say, that Hollywood manager, you know, that that's elite level who's going to take. Take Everton up to where he thinks uh, they belong and if, as I say if Carlo Ancelotti can't do it then <laughs> you, you do wonder who will be able to do it and you know with the with the kind of pedigree that Carlo Ancelotti has got uh, as you say this first step is going to be the hardest and you know it's there are going to be a, f- a few roadblocks in the way I do imagine over the next you know few weeks months perhaps but you know I, I think Carlo Ancelotti is the kind of man with the strength of character and with the absolute quality uh, in terms of his coaching, that he'll be able to pull Everton through.
0: Yeah, I suppose when you look at the... Everton's squad as well you could probably argue going back to Roberto Martinez it's a team full of four managers players and that when Duncan Ferguson came in he really did simplify things he looked at the two best players in the squad Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison paired them up front together something Marco Silva seemed very hesitant to want to do but as you say since Angelotti's come in he's stuck with that and they do seem to be the two players who really have sort of begun to show some promise for the Blues.
1: Football is a simple game sometimes, isn't it? You know, just pick out your be- your best players and uh, play them together. And lo and behold, it it, it does tend to work. Uh, Calvert-Lewin has been particularly on such a rise this season, you know, at the start of the campaign. I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of Everton fans, you know, the jury was still out on him. They were wondering, you know, he he's always been this hard working type of player up front. He was always you know, this sort of physical presence and, always winning the headers, always running the channels, but could he be that man who could be the focal point for Everton? Could he be the man who is finally just going to get the ball in the back of the net? Which, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you want your striker to be doing. And fair play to him, especially since Carlo Ancelotti has come in. He's managed to find that sort of killer instinct in front of goal. And I think most Everton fans are just hoping that this period of lockdown, he's managed to keep those instincts about him and hopefully he you, you won't take uh, a significant amount of time to find that run of form again because he was so crucial uh, since Ancelotti has came in and you know Richard Allison. I think ever since he walked through the door at Everton in the summer of 2018, he's been one of the best players in the squad. He's he's a unique player in, in terms of I think he's one of the only players in the Everton squad who can pull a goal out of sheer thin air. And he's he's done it a couple of times already. This, uh, well, even under Ancelotti, I think he scored the counter attack goal against Crystal Palace, which I don't think a lot of players in the Everton squad will have been able to do. Uh, he scored the winner at home to Brighton, which was a great little turn inside the box before a little first time finish into the far corner. You know, he's got that he's got that flair about him that you would expect from a Brazilian player, but he's got an edge that you perhaps wouldn't usually expect from a Brazilian player. He's well, a Brazilian forward at the very least. He's very very physical he's you know he's not afraid to throw his body into challenges Uh, he's got a bit of pace about him but i wouldn't say he's lightning quick Uh, but he has got this sort of skill and the way he can read the game is is really really unique and i i just think the pairing of those two together that is absolutely crucial for Everton. and you know if everton can find if they well if these two can find their feet again uh, early doors i think they're going to cause a lot of premier league defenses problems and you know, even even Liverpool's defence, you know, flying high at the top of the league. I think you know that has that has shown some weaknesses uh, just before lockdown, uh, with the kind of results that Liverpool were having. So, if Everton can perhaps find those weaknesses for themselves, then Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison over the week before lockdown, at least, have shown that they can uh, exploit that.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Richarlison's flair his confidence and the edge he's got he's been showing that off for the pitch as well this week hasn't he talking about Virgil van Dyke ahead of the game he's given himself some task I mean it's it's one of those he's walk, he's talked the talk and now he's he's going to have to walk the walk isn't he
1: yeah it, it, I have to say personally reading those comments I was thinking why didn't you just save it till after the game you know save it until after, afterwards uh, but this is the kind of player he is as you say he's got absolutely bags of confidence on the pitch and he does often show why he's got that confidence on the pitch and he's got ultimate confidence in himself often as well. You know, he's, and fair play to him as well. He's, you know, a starting player for Brazil. You know, he's a Premier League star. You you do expect him to have that kind of confidence, but you just hope it's not not misplaced going into, you know, as I say, what's going to be a really unpredictable game in the Merseyside derby as well. Uh, and he's, he is going to be facing up against one of the one of the best players in the Premier League at the very least, if not the world at the minute, in Virgil van Dijk. So it, he has set himself a tough task, but obviously he seems confident enough that he can live up to it. So, yeah, we're just, we're just going to have to see how that one works out.
0: Yeah, I suppose with Everton fans, there's two ways of reading it. There's either the inevitable, as you say, you should have saved that for after the game, but also the galvanising factor. We've already spoke about, Goodison and what a power of good that can be for Everton when the fans are there. There aren't going to be any fans, but I suppose that from Richarlison really is stoking the flames ahead of Derby Day and really getting that traditional Derby atmosphere going.
1: Yeah, I suppose that is an interesting way of looking at it because, as you say, there won't be fans inside the stadium to try and uh, galvanise the players in that way. So, as I said a bit earlier, the players are going to have to try and find that motivation from elsewhere on the uh, on the pitch and I suppose that's where you do look towards your more confident players to try and to try and give you that that's maybe where you look for you know players to be making those big tackles in the first few minutes you know uh, to, just to try and get get you up for the game so yeah I, I think maybe Everton players can take something from Charlison's words a little bit you know to try and take try not not to try and be headstrong almost going into this match but to try and to try and take a little bit of confidence for themselves and think to themselves, well yeah, like I can I can win my pair. I think it's all about personal battles. Like if a player can go into this game and think, Yeah, I can win my personal battle in this game, then I just I just think that confidence boost is surely gonna help the team as a whole. So yeah, perhaps perhaps Richarlison has been yeah. a little bit savvy in his comments and maybe he's trying to just G up his teammates. I suppose we're only gonna we're only gonna find out whether that's worked uh, at about nine o'clock on Sunday evening.
0: Yeah, that will certainly be the case. But So looking to the game, then you talk about personal battles and things like that. Selection for Everton, I suppose, is actually quite a big issue because whilst there's been three and a half months and a lot of players have been able to get themselves fit, Alisson, of course, was going to miss the original game. looks as though he'll be fitting between the sticks for the Reds. For Everton, it's a very different story, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Everton have managed to clock up their injuries towards the end of lockdown for, for some reason, which <laughs> hasn't been ideal, uh, to say the least. Uh, thankfully, Andre Gomez, after take, picking up a little bit of a knock last weekend in training, he will be fit. And I think he's going to be a crucial player for Everton. you know, he adds he had a lot of quality in that midfield that wouldn't usually be there if he wasn't there. And I think you know, that, that was summed up in the period of time that he had uh, in, on the sidelines because of that very serious injury he picked up against Spurs earlier in the season. But unfortunately, Everton will be without Yeri Mina, especially, which I think will be a bit of a blow in central defence. I think he's been fantastic uh, alongside Mason Holgate on occasion this season. I think there's still obviously been a few a few occasions where a few mistakes have crept in. But yeah, you know, on the whole, I think him and Holgate have managed to build up a really good partnership. So it's a shame to see that broken up. Michael Keane is still obviously a very solid defender to try and step in instead of Yeri Mina, but he hasn't really worked up that same sort of partnership with Holgate. So it'll be interesting to see how they work together as a pair. And, um, Fabian Delph is going to be missing this game, so a little bit of experience is going to be missing from Everton's midfield, perhaps, which could be a factor. And Theo Walcott is missing as well, which will actually be a, a bit of a miss for Everton because before lockdown he... Had really built himself a decent run of form. He scored against Watford. Uh, he put in a brilliant cross uh, to set up Bernard against Crystal Palace uh, in the ne- in the next game after that Watford game as well. So he'd started to build up a little bit of a run from for himself. And he seems to be th- the sort of perfect man to fit into Ancelotti's system in, in right midfield. You know, he's obviously got those bags of pace that we all know about in getting forward, but. He really focuses on his defensive attributes as well, and he gets back and he helps his right back. So it'll be interesting to see how Everton try and fill that void. Uh, we've seen Jibril Sidibe uh, play on right midfield a few times on Carl car line, Chilothi, and he's essentially played two right backs on the, on the right flank. I wouldn't be all that surprised to see that happen again. Uh, the other options, I suppose, uh, you could put Alex Iwobi there, but I think he works better on the left flank rather than the right flank. Uh, you could maybe put Richarlison back out on the right wing and put Moyes Keen up front. But I think that uh, provides itself a risk because you're taking Richarlison out of his best position. And then you've got a youngster in Anthony Gordon as well who's really, really impressed Ancelotti. Uh, he gave him his Premier League debut against West Ham in January. Uh, he's got bags of talent, bags of pace. Uh, he's not got a lot of Premier League experience, but he is a really, really exciting talent. So... Perhaps not starting, but I'd like to see him involved uh, at some point against Liverpool because he has he's got really something about him. But yeah, I think there's there's going to be some interesting decisions for Ancelotti to make in terms of selection. So I, w- I wouldn't want to guess at what his starting eleven is going to be. To be honest.
0: No, without wanting to, to draw a prediction from you, because no one ever wins with the, the, the predictions. But In terms of Goodison Park, obviously Everton looking to, to move to the Bramley Moor Dock Stadium. I suppose time, albeit a couple of seasons away, time is running down and counting down on Goodison derbies. They have illuminated English football for such a long time, and I'm sure Everton will be desperate Regardless of the fans obviously not being there, unfortunately, that they will want to get a win at Goodison before moving on.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. As I said previously, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an embarrassment really that Everton haven't managed to win a derby in in these ten years. I mean, I suppose the gap between the teams, as things stand right now, is probably quite large because of you know how how much clear at the top of the table Liverpool are. But that's not always been the case. You know, there have been. A lot of occasions over the last ten years, where Everton and Liverpool have been a lot closer uh, in terms of where their respective squads uh, are shaping up. So, to not be able to get a win even on those occasions is something that really still sticks with Evertonians. And as you say, as well, with uh, the move to Bramley Moor coming up, time is running out on, on Goodison Park, and you know it'll be really sad for Evertonians to see Goodison go. But it is it is a necessary move, and Bramley Moor is going to be. An absolutely incredible project when they when that's underway and when that's completed. So I, I think it's absolutely imperative that Everton uh, get it—not just one <laughs> Merseyside derby winner good under their belts, but a couple to try and send the fans off the Bramley more uh, in the right sort of frame of mind and in the right manner. Uh, and you know, as I say, I think it, I don't think Everton can really let it get to the, the, the full ten years without winning a derby. I think this is this has got to be the crucial moment where. Everton's players stand up and say, No, we need to we need to get a win at all costs in this game. So fingers crossed we see that kind of attitude from them this weekend.
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. Adam, thanks a lot for for joining us for this episode of Behind Enemy Lines here on the Blood Red channel. Of course, after the game, we'll be back with the post-game podcast. If you could leave us a rating or review wherever you do get your podcasts from, that'd be more than appreciated. But from myself, Guy Clark, and Adam Jones, our Everton FC reporter at the Liverpool Echo, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.